Idaho bow hunter Raymond Jones went missing on September 7th, 1968. It was his son's 12th birthday. 53 years later, Jones's body was found by another bow hunter, which solved a mystery that had long haunted his relatives, especially his only son. The Miraculous Story, reported out by Brett French, the Montana Untamed editor for the Billings Gazette, was one of the most widely read of last year. And once you're into it, you'll see why. Hello, I'm Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises. And in this episode of Behind the Headlines, our host Terry Barr is talking with Brett French about the way the story came together behind the scenes, as well as the impact the story made in the community. A decades-old forensic study of a hunting trip gone awry, a family who had stopped hoping for answers, finding unexpected resolution, and the surprising value to be found in small mementos. You'll find a link to the article in the show notes. If you appreciate what we're doing with this program, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to tell your friends. We also heartily encourage you to invest in local journalism and support whichever newspaper it is that serves your community. Stay tuned for Terry Barr in conversation with Brett French of the Billings Gazette. Thank you, Chris. I I really appreciate it. Now, this Behind the Headlines episode actually starts as a bit of a mystery. And here to talk about this story is Brett French, as we mentioned. He is the outdoors editor with Billings Gazette. Now, Brett, I want to ask you, you know, you, you get a tip about the body of a man. Now, this this man had been missing for more than 50 years and he's now been found. Can you walk us through this? Is there a tip and how do you feel? How do you know this is credible? What do you have to do? Yeah, so uh, actually there's this story that circulated that we didn't know uh, had any relation to our readership about a hunter being found in Idaho in the mountains, uh, 53 years after he had disappeared. And I had noticed the story and didn't think anything of it. And my one of my bosses came up to me after I got back and said, I think I have a story for you. Have you heard about this missing hunter? And I said, of course. And he said, well, apparently his son lives here in town. And my boss had found this out from his sprinkler guy who had been repairing the son of the victim's sprinkler, and he came out and told him the story. So that was just amazing that the sprinkler guy just happened to tell my boss who told me and that the son had been so forthcoming with the sprinkler guy in the first place to let him know uh, what had happened. And yeah, uh, Raymond Jones uh, went bow hunting 53 years ago, 1968. Is that right? 1968? Is that 53 years? It feels like it. Yeah, 1968. He went missing on his son's birthday, September 7th, 1968. And they shared a birthday. Uh, His father was born in 1929. So Raymond Jones was bow hunting in the Lemhi Mountains in Idaho. Uh, He was with a group of guys, friends from his uh, hometown in Salmon, Idaho. They're up in the mountains and had split up as hunters often do, and he never came back to camp. So his friends got worried, went out looking for him, couldn't find him, called the sheriff's department. They called out search and rescue. 
They couldn't find him. Uh, they followed some leads. They got dogs. The brothers of Raymond um, called in helicopters and airplanes, and there was a really bad storm. They had to call off the search, and that was it. They, they went back and could never find him. So uh, for 53 years, nobody knew what happened to him until another hunter was in the same area and just happened to come upon a pair of hiking boots sticking out from underneath a large rock. It was about five feet wide, oh, uh, wow. about a foot thick, and the boots were sticking out and the soles looked unworn. And he found some other uh, stuff around the site, one of which was a credit card that was Raymond's credit card, had his name on it, and he operated the ENCO station in Salmon, Idaho, which helped him identify it. So he called the sheriff. They brought some uh, people up to help lift off this rock. It took like uh, four, four of them to lift this rock up and find the remains of Raymond Jones after 53 years. And unfortunately, there wasn't much left. And what happened is still kind of a mystery. One theory is that he may have been climbing a cliff near there and fell over backwards as the rock broke off and it, it landed on top of him. In 53 years, who knows, a lot can happen. Um, you know, bones are carried off by animals. There wasn't much left, the knife, uh, his wallet, his hunting license, uh, portions of um, his skull, his foot was still in a boot. So, Oh my gosh. Uh, but they were able to identify him and like me, somebody else, uh, the son's cousin saw the story and instantly recognized the uh, place and messaged uh, the son, Jeff Jones, and said, I'm so sorry to hear about the tragedy, you know, and I hope you're okay. And goes, what's up? <laughs> you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. So he calls his cousin and uh, who happens to live on the West Coast. And the cousin said, yeah, they found your dad. He said, I'm sorry to have to tell you. And he said, don't be sorry. You know, I've been waiting for this news for 53 years. And uh, that's how he found out. Unfortunately, it's kind of a strange thing. So his dad divorced his mother uh, when he was young and his father remarried. And so she was the one who was down as the contact for who to contact mm. when they found him. Now, by this time, that uh, wife was uh, in her 80s and in a care facility. Yeah. And she thought, you know, oh, you found him alive, you know. And no, that's not the case. So he had adopted a son two days before he went hunting. And the adopted son, who never knew Raymond, was contacted. And then he uh, got together with Jeff. And they figured out that Jeff should have the remains since uh, the other son didn't really even know him and wasn't raised by him. So Jeff returned to Salmon, Idaho to pick up the remains from the sheriff's office, which all fit in a little bigger, maybe than a shoebox was all that was left. Oh my gosh. The you know, you, you tell this story and I can absolutely understand why a tip that leads you through this whole story, why that would get your attention. Do you think just sort of having the history of the story and then getting this tip, is that what pushed you to say, yeah, I, I'm gonna get this story. I'm gonna figure this all out. 
and then share it with our readers. Yeah, anytime there's a mystery like that, it really entices you. And we're lucky now that we have uh, newspaper clippings on online that we can just go back and I could go back and read about the story. And naturally, it was it was a, a regional guy, a guy from Montana, and his family was in Montana, so it was covered. And uh, so we got some uh, more knowledge there. And uh, just the fact that he was a hunter who went missing, um, sometimes those people are never found. And you just wonder what happened to him. Or sometimes like this case, they're found years later by other hunters who tend to travel into places that most people don't right off the trail and into the sticks and yeah it's really quite an incredible story yeah obviously you've talked to the the son um how difficult was it for you to actually find him and then put all these pieces together and ask him to talk with you about all of it well luckily my boss had the uh, phone number so it, <laughs> it wasn't hard at all that's that's unusual and uh the hard part is calling him up and saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. Would you mind talking to me about it? And he was really gracious and invited us into his home, a photographer and I, and gave us about an hour and a half just talking to us and going through what little was left of his father's remains, including, you know, these brand new hunting boots at the time, this knife that was a really nice knife that was all rusted over that he was going to get refurbished and yeah, it's hard to believe that one person's life can be reduced down to so little, though, you know, and those types of interviews are, are really difficult. And I'm always amazed when people allow us into their lives. I've had that situation before where a son shot his father and we knocked on the door and the mother let us in and sat us down and talked to us in the living room where the shooting had happened and the oh. Christmas tree is over in the corner, you know, and she's distraught and the house smells like bleach from cleaning up the blood and the gore. And you knock on doors like that and you don't expect actually to be let in. So right. when you are, it's uh, a heavy burden to try and tell the person's story accurately. And from their point of view to uh, honor the fact that they're putting that kind of trust into you. Well, in, in this specific story, I, I wonder if the son was looking at it as almost a tribute to his dad, that you were interested enough to be able to listen and tell the story, and he wanted people to not forget about his dad, I guess. Maybe it felt yeah, a little like that. I think so, and I think it's also cathartic for us to tell stories about our loved ones and, and people who are gone and, and remember them and the kind of people they were. and what they did, you know, and how they made us happy and the things we did together. So, yeah, I think that's part of the healing process, really, when you lose somebody like that. And um, unfortunately for Jeff, you know, this, this took 53 years before <gasps> he could begin that healing process, you know, whereas for most other incidents, you know, maybe if it's an extended illness or something, it's mm -hmm. a couple of years or five years, but 53 is just unheard of. And, yeah. you know, at some point he, it just kind of got pushed to the back of his mind, but it, I think he said it took about 20 years before. Oh my gosh. Was thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Well, what about you? How long would you say it took you to work on this and, and bring it all together? 
And then did, did you have to rely on some resources to be able to, uh, you know, solve the mystery? I guess I'm going to stick with the idea of the mystery. Yeah, I mean, his, his talking to us was the best part of it because um, he shared so much detail. And from there, you know, talking to the county sheriff back in Idaho, who went up to the site, talking to Raymond's sister, you know, to try and find out what kind of guy he was and how his disappearance affected the family. And yeah, like I said, going back into the archives and, and researching the the search, the initial search, but it's the kind of story that once you start writing it, I mean, it, it just kind of writes itself because it's just so incredible that, yeah, it didn't seem like it took very long to write at all. Yeah. Well, it's written beautifully too. It's a great read. It really mm-hmm. is. We'll be sure to include a link too for anybody that uh, is listening to this and wants to read the story in its entirety. We'll include that as well. Let me ask you this. Reaction, reaction from readers. We'll start with the readers because I understand that this is still one of the most read stories. Yeah, it ranks up. I mean, we're not a huge newspaper, and Lee, and uh, I think it's one of the top stories of all Lee. So that's that's impressive. So it obviously connected with people. And I, like I said, I think the mystery part of it and mm-hmm. the resolution of it is is what draws people in. And then just the fact that Jeff was so open in, in sharing how the loss affected him, his family over time, you know, to yeah. really give you insight. He could have just stood there and said, yep, nope, you know, and but he was really generous with uh uh, relating how it had affected him and um, his thoughts. And I think, you know, that just connects with people on a personal level. Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah. What about the rest of the family? Did you hear any reaction or, or response from them after your story was out? Um, not really, but a lot of people who read the story, you know, connected and said, wow, that just really hit home. And Thanks for sharing that with us. And, but yeah, I think uh, the main thing is just that it hit people so in the heart, probably that uh, there was, they weren't reaching out to me so much, hopefully, as they were to Jeff to, yeah. to try and help him through the hard time. That's a wonderful way to think about it, too. Has anything new or anything else happened since your report? Yeah, uh, this was back in the fall when we Mm -hmm. interviewed Jeff and COVID was still a problem then. So they put off a family service until this spring, and that just occurred a couple of weeks ago. So they were able to inter uh, Raymond's remains next to his parents in Miles City, Montana. And uh, Jeff and his sons, he has two sons, hope to uh, hike back to the Lemhi Mountains uh, possibly with the uh, hunter who found the remains and visit the site and maybe put up some type of a memorial or plaque to commemorate him at the place where um, his unfortunate death occurred. Yeah. What do you think sticks with you about this story? Well, I think uh, as a hunter mm-hmm. myself, being out in the woods after talking to Jeff made me really conscious of how quickly things can go badly, especially when you're on your own and you you don't have anybody around to help. And something I do often 
hiking, backpacking, even by myself and always aware that things can go bad, but you think, well, you'll be prepared and, and things will go okay. But uh, yeah, even he said as a hunter, he was very careful, uh, made safe choices, didn't take outrageous risks because he was worried of putting his sons in the same position that oh. he had been in. So he was always very conscious of that when he was outdoors. Brett French. Brett is the outdoors editor with the Billings Gazette. And uh, Brett, thanks for taking us behind the headlines on this incredible story. Thank you so much. Well, that was Terry Barr talking with Brett French of the Billings Gazette. We'll have a link to his article in the show notes, along with ways that you can follow his work as well as the work of the Billings Gazette. If you appreciate what we're doing with this program, thank you. We encourage you to invest in local journalism and support whichever newspaper serves your community. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends about the show. I'm Chris Lay, and for Terry and myself, thank you so much for listening to our Behind the Headlines podcast from Lee Enterprises.